Good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. This is BRN AM for Monday, January 22nd, 2024. And our top story today, cannabis-related mental health problems are on the rise. Joining me now to discuss this and a lot more, Dr. David Gorelick is a professor of psychiatry at the University of Maryland School of Medicine. David, it's great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning. Thank you for inviting me. Good to be here. Yeah, it's good. We're going to have a good conversation about this. David, I want to start off with some basics here. Let's talk about the use of cannabis and how pervasive is the use in American society and also the ages of those partaking. Good question. Uh, it's very pervasive. It's uh, one of the commonest psychoactive substances used, uh, probably exceeded only by alcohol and tobacco and caffeine. So um, epidemi epidemiologic studies estimate probably over 60 million Americans uh, use cannabis every year, uh, predominantly in the adolescent and young adult group that is ages 12 to 25. But it occurs in all age groups, including uh, the elderly over 65 and all uh, races and ethnicities, all socioeconomic levels. So it is quite pervasive in U.S. society. Yeah, it's, so about 20 percent. And, you know, look, I, I full disclosure to the audience. I went to many a Grateful Dead concert. I went, you know, very rare. I went for the music. I love the Grateful Dead. But so I was around this type of environment. A lot of people think it's escapism, it's drug use, but people also use it for other reasons, David, maybe even pain management. Uh, correct. There's increasing use for medicinal purposes. And as your audience probably knows, the majority of states now have legalized it for so-called medical cannabis or medical marijuana, although the scientific evidence is quite weak for most uh, medical indications. Uh, and... Um, so overall, counting both recreational and medical use, uh, there's been some increase over the past decade in the number of Americans who are using cannabis. Yeah, and and but you know that there's a perception out there that because it's legal in certain states um, and people use it for medical, that it it can't be a problem. But in in in, in like anything else, any drug, there have been problems associated with the use of the consumption of cannabis. Absolutely. That's unfortunately a common misconception that just because it's legal in some states that cannabis is safe. Uh, you have to keep in mind that the legalization process, whether for medical or recreational cannabis in the states, was a political process. Uh, cannabis has not gone through the standard drug review and approval process through the Food and Drug Administration, for example that every other medication that we use um, has gone through. I mean, with a few exceptions, there are a few cannabis-derived products that have gone through the standard FDA uh, review and approval process, and they're legal and can be legally prescribed by a physician. But uh, that's a small minority of the use that we see that I've been uh, talking about. So there definitely are harms associated with using cannabis, whether for medical or recreational uh, uh, purposes. And, and how do people generally consume? I mean, a lot of people familiar with cannabis know the smoking aspect, that there are oils, there are pills, uh, there's even like cannabis cookies and brownies and things like that. So there's a, a multitude of ways to consume the drug. Correct. Uh, 
a lot more variety of what we call roots of administration since you and I were growing up. Um, <laughs> there's still the old-fashioned way of smoking a joint or uh, smoking through a bong or a pipe. But now we have so-called edibles, especially uh, in the states that have legalized cannabis. It's very popular. Uh, edibles meaning you take it orally, uh, usually in the form of uh, uh, having cannabis baked into uh, a brownie, for example, or uh, dissolve in some kind of liquid beverage. We also have something new over the past two decades called uh, vaping, which is vaporizing the cannabis rather than burning it. So that originally started with so-called e-cigarettes, where you vape nicotine, but it's thread to cannabis and also other drugs that can be smoked. And and last question before we go to a commercial break, do you, do you think that you know, a lot of this, I think there's that general assumption, there's a lot of misinformation, but a general assumption that it is safe. Uh, is the general population, myself included, just not properly informed uh, about the the material impact of the drug? Uh, and by the way, there are other drugs that people consume. You mentioned some of them, uh, caffeine and others, but is there just a mis misinformation out there and lack of informedness around this particular set of products? There's definitely a lot of misinformation, and I believe disinformation out there, especially on the internet. I mean, remember the adage: just because it's on the internet doesn't mean it's true. Uh, oh, it's, it's right. It's Google. Right. Google said, Doctor Google. Right. Especially since, as I mentioned earlier, uh, with one or two exceptions, no cannabis product has ever gone through the standard rigorous uh, review for safety and efficacy that an FDA-approved medication has gone through. So. Uh, you're asking, is cannabis safe for many people? Absolutely. I mean, I make the analogy to alcohol. I mean, tens of millions of people drink alcohol regularly in the U.S. The majority don't get into trouble, either psychological or medical. The same is true of cannabis. Many users will not get into trouble from using cannabis in moderation, but some will. So there are two aspects to that you have to keep in mind. One is the more potent the cannabis you use and the more frequently you use, the more you're likely to have problems from your cannabis use. And the other factor is there are some people that we know are more vulnerable to harms from cannabis than the average person. Yeah, uh, really, really important. David, I want to take a very quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about cannabis usage and also correcting the misinformation. You're going to want to stay tuned right here. BRN. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses. I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 
33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Well, David, thanks so much for staying with us. Really appreciate you hanging around for segment number two this morning. Happy to be with you. Yeah, it's a really fun topic. I, I know I'm being educated. I, I believe the audience is as well. David, let's talk about some of those maladies that you can have. Uh, we alluded to many of them by you know, uh, similar to alcohol, you can be, you know, have no, no impact to your body. Um, you know, maybe that you're impaired a little bit. Uh, you certainly shouldn't drive, but what about some of the maladies that you can have by smoking or taking cannabis? Right. Well, before I answer that question, let me make sure there's no misunderstanding the audience. There's one group that definitely should not drink alcohol at all. And that's pregnant women or women who got oh, Correct. I want to reply that that's one group where even low-dose alcohol is is uh, not recommended. Sure. Same, of course, applies to cannabis. Pregnant women should not be using cannabis. <laughs> um, so I think the main concern certainly I have as a psychiatrist is developing what we now call a cannabis use disorder, uh, older terminology, uh, addiction to cannabis. In other words, using cannabis and losing control over use Beside have, despite having harms from cannabis. That's what, and, that's I'm what sorry, we consider loss of control or cannabis use disorder. Yeah, and, and, and David, in terms of, I want to get to education in a second, but is there a role here for government? Uh, you mentioned the FDA has not approved many or all of the, a lot of these products. So is there a role for the Food and Drug Administration? Is there a role for public policymakers it's, it's all nice and dandy when you're getting tax revenue, but what is the general harm to the public? So is there a role for uh, federal and state and local government here? Well, this is clearly a public health issue. So there's definitely a role for government, both the state and the national or federal uh, levels. At the national level, uh, the FDA currently has no role over the either completely illegal or state legalized cannabis, whether it's recreational or medicinal, because at the federal level, cannabis is an illegal substance. It's classified in Schedule One of the Controlled Substances Act. Now, you may be aware that the uh, Department of Health and Human Services has recently recommended that cannabis be rescheduled to Schedule Three, uh, which would open it up to more research and development of FDA-reviewed medicinal products. So when the Drug Enforcement Administration will make that decision, we don't know. They promise it within the next several months. So the whole legal landscape may change at the federal level. But at the state level, there, uh, excuse me, many states, and my state of Maryland approved uh, medical cannabis several years ago, just approved uh, recreational cannabis last year, took effect last July 1st. Actually, I happen to be a member of the Cannabis Public Health Advisory Council in Maryland. And so uh, state government is very attuned to the public uh, possible public health effects, particularly the harms 
that this legalized cannabis use may um, may cause. So the states take several approaches to doing that, not just Maryland. One is to have the regulations around the sale of cannabis protect particularly vulnerable populations. So like with alcohol, no sale to people under 18, strong limitations on advertising, particularly to minors, limitations on the location of dispensary for cannabis, analogous to liquor stores for alcohol, um, uh, and uh, limitations on where you can use. So just like with alcohol, you can't use cannabis while you're driving a motor vehicle or operating certain heavy machinery, can't use it in certain public places. Now, cannabis, we have a different aspect because you have the issue of clean indoor air. Many states like Maryland have a clean indoor air act, so you can't smoke cannabis in many places just, just as you can't smoke tobacco. Um, and the other side of the coin is surveillance. So uh, Maryland, uh, like other states, Colorado, California, is uh, doing active surveillance, surveying uh, the populations that might be at harm from use of cannabis to see whether the legalization process is increasing those harms. David, last question. Um, after regulation, education, and, and we went through this. I mean, I, I remember growing up, I knew not to smoke cigarettes because there's a surgeon's general, surgeon general's warning on the box of cigarettes that they made the tobacco manufacturers put on there. And I also knew through PSAs that it wasn't smart to drink alcohol and drive, or that, as you said before, women who are pregnant should not consume alcohol. What's the educational component of this? Because there's a lot of misinformation. Dr. Google is out there helping out a lot of people, trying to affirm what they want and what they prescribe to rather than giving them the facts. So what's the educational element about? Do we need PSAs? Do we need more than that? Do we need doctors to step in doctors like yourself to warn patients as they uh, uh, you know, treat them? I think you need multiple components of education. So one is certainly PSAs and, and many states that have legalized cannabis, Maryland included, do that. So warning people uh, that cannabis does adversely affect driving ability, have increased risk of uh, motor vehicle crashes, that pregnant women shouldn't use uh, cannabis. Uh, there's also a need, uh, there's also labeling on the packages, uh, which some states do, not all, uh, somewhat similar to the packaging you mentioned on cigarette uh, packages. Um, and education, both of the general public and of uh, healthcare professionals. Uh, so there are programs to make physicians more aware of the risks of cannabis. It's something that I do my own work, but other physicians, other medical society to do that. Uh, and in the schools, uh, incorporating cannabis, for example, in uh, driver education. So uh, when you and I went through driver education, as you said, we learned a lot about the risks of drinking. Yeah. Now that's being incorporated, um, uh, risks of cannabis use while driving into driver education. So I think uh, all of those components need to be um, uh, emphasized to, to have a major effect on education. Yeah, absolutely. Well, David, we're going to have to leave it there. I suspect if the legal landscape changes, you and I are going to be talking again. Thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate you coming on the program. We look forward to having you back on the program again very soon. Thank you. Good to be here. I'm happy to come back. Uh, there's more I can contribute. And that wraps up this episode of BRNAM. Have a topic of interest, someone you think we should talk to, 
drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more, all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content, visit our website. We're back again tomorrow with another edition of BRNAM. We'll have a very special guest and another important topic. You're not going to want to miss it. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe. Keep on saving. Don't forget, roll with the changes. Now is your opportunity to co-create content around any topic on the first lifestyle and wellness network. Reach a global audience through our platform and co-own exclusive branded content. All of our programs are available on demand and also as audio-only podcasts so you can take us on the go. Broadcast Retirement Network, available anytime, anywhere, and on any device.